Good morning, everyone. I know it is Sunday morning where I'm at. I'm not sure where you are, but where I'm at right now, it is a little bit past 11 o'clock as I'm recording this. Now, I know you're probably concerned big time about the announcement I have been talking about. Uh, if you follow me on Instagram at young underscore lines underscore perspective, I did a little bit of a cryptic message concerning two dates. Uh, of course, Christmas Day, uh, December 25th, and January 2nd, 2019. On Christmas Day, which is pretty much two days from today, I will be giving you not only the last podcast for 2018 for the Young Lions Perspective, um, but I will be giving you my top 10 matches of 2018. Yes. Um, the reason why I'm doing it a little bit sooner than most people do it, usually they do it like on the last weekend of the year, there may be some events going on, but I actually will be on vacation on the 30th. I will be in Denver uh, hanging out with some buddies uh, that are out there. They invited me to come out there uh, about the week before Thanksgiving. So I was like, all right, you know, you don't need to twist my arm on that. So I will be spending New Year's in Denver. So that's the Christmas Day portion of the announcement. In terms of January 2nd, episode 39, if I am correct in saying that. Yeah, episode 39. I will be live in Denver at my boy's house, and I will be giving you my Wrestle Kingdom 13 preview and predictions. I know that January 4th is going to be a travel day for me, so more than likely I'll be watching um, Wrestle Kingdom while I'm traveling. If I don't finish it, I'll probably have it done probably that weekend. For sure. I know you, I hate travel days more than anything, especially on the way back home because it's a pain in the ass. So, that's the announcement for the 25th and the 2nd. 25th is going to be my top 10 matches of the year, so you're getting a nice little Christmas present from yours truly from the Young Lions perspective. And then the first podcast of 2019, January 2nd, will be my Wrestle Kingdom 13 preview and predictions. That's the announcement for episodes 38 and 39. So we finally got that out there. And thank you so much for being patient. I know you were waiting with bated breath just to know what the hell that meant. So I want to get into a little bit, so now that we got that out of the way, I want to get into a little bit of news uh, that's been going on as of late. And this first one, okay, uh, don't mind that. That was actually my mom's phone. I think she left it here. She had to go out for a bit. She forgot her phone, so she's going to be quite upset with that. But nonetheless, the, I actually saw this announcement a couple days ago while I was at work, and I literally laughed my ass off when I saw this. So, as we all know, I don't, I honestly don't know if you watch Impact Wrestling. I personally don't because, um, me personally, I can't really get into the storylines. There's a lot of guys and girls that were uh, in Impact Wrestling who had gone on to uh, indie promotions uh, and to the WWE as well. But this kind of really made me laugh. This is from, uh, I believe, Saturday, no, Friday. 
So, Impact Wrestling moving to smaller cable network next month and will air Fridays at 10 p.m. Eastern. Available to all Direct TV subscribers on every. T- <laughs> As if Impact Wrestling can be any more irrelevant. So let's let's get into the article written by Wade Keller. Impact Wrestling announced on Friday that it will be leaving Pop TV as of the first week of 2019 and be moving to a channel most of you haven't heard of and may not have access to called Pursuit. The show will remain two hours but moves to Friday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern. That time slot means it will immediately follow SmackDown on Fox next fall if it remains in that time slot into October 2019. Impact touted in a press release on its website today that Pursuit is the most widely distributed outdoor network and one of the fastest growing channels in the country. The hope would be that having Impact will help the network grow by being picked up by more carriers. Impact's parent company, Anthem, is a significant minority owner of Pursuit. Anthem will likely lean on other distribution models, including its fight network and online availability to those without access to Pursuit on cable to still see the shows, but that hasn't been announced yet. Uh, This is from Ed Normholm. Uh, and I quote, Pursuit Channel is a natural fit for impact. It has a passion and viewership base that correlates strongly with our core audience. Who the fuck is your core audience at this point? Anyway, let me continue on. And is one of the few broadcast destinations that is expanding its footprint, enjoying a 15% increase in broadcast distribution this year alone. With Impact Wrestling coming off a tremendous year of audience growth globally and positive fan engagement, I'm sorry. (laughs) We look forward to leveraging our respective resources to bring fans more of the wrestling content they want to see. Tougher, edgier action. End quote. (laughs) Let me finish it. Let me finish it. Oh my god. Pursuit is available in 40 plus million homes, a significant drop from the 70 plus million homes Pop TV is available in. It is available to Direct TV subscribers on channel 604 on all tiers, including the cheapest. Dish TV subscribers on channel 393, plus Prism, Fios, I don't care, Cox, AT&T, and Up, among others. It is now available on Xfinity Comcast, Charter, Frontier, or Time Warner. Uh, this is from Rusty Folk. He uh, actually put out a quote, and I quote, Pursuit Channels is pleased to welcome Impact Wrestling into our Friday night lineup of popular shows. Impact Wrestling programming is perfect for our audience, which enjoys adventurous content to feed their wild side. We look forward to a long partnership in providing our fans with new and exciting world-class content while expanding Impact Wrestling's audience to a new base. End quote. In its press release, Impact Wrestling touts their roster this way. Showcasing top professional wrestling stars such as Impact World Champion Johnny Impact, who started the most recent season of the hit CBS show Survivor, plus Brian Cage, Eli Drake, Moose, Eddie Edwards, Sammy Callahan, Pentagon Jr., Phoenix, Rich Swan, the High Flying X Division, and the Knockouts, including champions Tessa Blanchard, Taya Valkyrie, Rosemary, Ali, I can't read today, and Sue Young. Impact Wrestling has been a leading destination for professional wrestling fans, televised globally in 120 countries since its inception in 2002, while growing its popularity and reach on YouTube, Twitch, Pluto, and social media platforms, end quote. (laughs) 
Oh, could you not be any more of relevant Impact Wrestling? Could you seriously not be any more irrelevant? I mean, I I mean, raise your hand if you watch Impact Wrestling. Just you know, to yourself. Just just to yourself. You know, if if you you know, Impact Wrestling honestly hasn't really been relevant to me since the the days of. Impact Wrestling, like, in 2004. Mind you, I was a sophomore in high school then. I used to come home every single Friday from school. I would sit down while I'm doing... If I had any homework, I'd be doing that while watching Impact Wrestling. Uh, every chance I could, I'd watch their Wednesday pay-per-views, which were fucking awesome. Um, but it, it's just... It's just it's just showing us that they can't even... I, I don't think they've been relevant since the days they were on Spike TV. That was, like, the last time they were truly, truly relevant on Spike... Like, someone Spike TV. I mean... My God. Could, could you just be any more irrelevant at this point? I mean, I, they have a good... They have a, a really... They do have a good amount of talent. I mean, t- like I said, Tessa Blanchard, Johnny Impact... Sammy Callahan, Pentagon, um, Eli Drake, Brian Cage was a fucking beast. Um, but there's just, it's just sad. It's just sad at this point that they went from that to being on pop TV, which a lot of fans of impact don't normally watch on a weekly basis. And then, <laughs> it's, trying to, it's so funny trying to formulate thoughts it's just absolutely hilarious I mean if you've really got to think who has Pursuit TV 1 if you, if you have DirecTV then you're good if you have Dish you're good um, I have Fios I have Verizon Fios but I don't watch outdoorsman shit so unless, unless you really want to go out of your way to even go that go about that route then it's not even it's not even worth it at this point you went from a you went from a, a, a channel that had 70 million people av- having it available to 70 million people I should say to a channel that is only available to 40 million people and your biggest distributor is direct TV I don't know the percentages off off the top of my head of who has direct TV but it's absolutely fucking hilarious to see that they are they are going into a more irrelevant wrestling company. To the like, I mean, I, I talked with Kevin plenty of times, and we talked. We actually talked about this on Friday and uh, texting each other, and he was even just saying, "Can't they just die already?" Because at that point, then you can just distribute all the top talent to the indies. W, you know, WWE is going to pursue any of those talents at the second. That impact just dissolves and goes away for good. I've been waiting on... It's it's sad for me to say. I've been waiting on impact to just go away for two years now. For two years. And it hasn't gone away. It just needs to die. I I mean, like I said, there's a lot of talent on impact wrestling. But it really hasn't been irrelevant. Think about it in the back of your mind. What was the last... Impact pay-per-view you watched. Flip that. What was the last TNA pay-per-view you actually watched? 
beginning to end, without fail. You want to know the last TNA pay-per-view I watched? It was a Wednesday pay-per-view back in 2000, the summer of 05? No, 04. That was when I learned of TNA. I literally, I was a 15-year-old, was a 16-year-old kid, right? 15, 16 years old. Going to my mother, asking to watch a pay-per-view. She asked, what did you want to watch? TNA? What? My, no, 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 mom, it's not like that. She's like, you better fucking explain it before I tell you to get the fuck out of my face. So I told her, total nonstop action wrestling. How much is it? Four ninety nine. Was it? Yeah, four ninety nine. All right, you owe me five bucks. Fine. That was the six way X division championship match. I don't think it was Ultimate X, but I know AJ Styles was involved with it, and it was awesome. But that was literally the last pay per view I had watched of TNA's. Literally, that's the only, that's probably one of the only TNA pay per views I had watched. In its actual entirety. And it was fucking awesome. But I can't tell you the last time I actually watched a TNA pay-per-view or sat down and really told myself, I want to watch an Impact pay-per-view. There's there's no reason behind it. I got nothing for that. Um, Real quick, I just saw this on Pro Wrestling Sheet as I was talking about that. Uh, two couples actually tied the knot recently. And I know uh, the most recent one... Uh, Sarah Logan and Raymond Rowe actually tied the knot in a Viking-themed wedding, and I'm looking at the picture right now. It's, uh, this is from ProWrestlingSheet.com. Um, this, from what I'm seeing, it looks pretty freaking cool. I'm just gonna pull it up real quick. I'm doing this in real time, so don't. I know this is bad radio. I should have everything everything set up, but this this is pretty freaking cool because like this is some like Game of Thrones type shit, and I really like it. And I know they're like big fans of like Vikings, but uh, this is from Ryan Satin yesterday. Sarah Logan and NXT star Raymond Rowe got married this weekend, and the photos of their Viking-themed wedding are awesome. The ceremony occurred on Friday in Ohio. It was attended by the Riot Squad, as well as Hanson, Baszler, Jessamyn Duke, and Tegan Knox, among others, who all dressed in Viking attire. According to the photos shared on Instagram, they also had Viking shield cakes at the reception. Raymond Rowe shared a photo of the ceremony and wrote man and wife. Logan shared the same picture with the caption, Mr. and Mrs. Rowe. She also hashtagged the pic by saying it was the best day of her life. And if you follow, like, Ruby Riot or Liv Morgan or all these there just in dressed in Viking garb, it looks pretty fucking dope. I'm not even going to front. It looks pretty freaking sweet. This probably was, like, a kick-ass reception. I'm not even going to lie. And they're just, you know, all dressed up in Viking garb, the Viking shield kicks. It's really cool. So congratulations to Sarah Logan and Raymond Rowe on, uh, Getting married. I know I heard a report. I heard a report that they were engaged for a while. Um, and that's why you saw Sarah Logan with like the Viking, um, t- like, you know, war paint and all that. So, I mean, congratulations to them. I wish them well in their marriage, of course. Um, the other one, ooh, that's a good little story there. Holy shit. We may have to talk about that. I don't know. We'll get to that in a second. I just want to uh, also congratulate Leo Rush. On Garen getting married uh, in Las Vegas, uh, he just got married to his uh, lady, Sarah Leowa, I believe that's, that's how you pronounce her last name. Um, I saw, I I didn't even know this happened, I was actually on Twitter, and I actually saw it, and uh, the way I found out was uh, D'Lo Brown was in a picture with uh, Leo Rush, and he said uh, something to the effect of, like, I was cruising uh, in Vegas, and I saw D'Lo Brown. 
And uh, there's actually a picture on Twitter. If you follow Leo Rush on Twitter, there's a picture of him and D'Lo Brown at, right after he got married in uh, Las Vegas. So that was pretty cool. So congratulations to him and Sarah. Of course, I wish you well in your marriage. Um, it's a cool thing, you know. For, uh, and plus, wrestling-themed weddings are probably fucking better than most weddings that I've seen. I know I'll be going to probably to a couple this year. Uh, one of my good friends is getting married um, in April. And another one of my buddies... Actually, um, no, I'm not going to announce that. But... Um, Another one of my friends, I'm going to keep, so I got to keep some things to myself, you know. Another one of my friends is actually getting married in July, so um, if anything, whatever. But that that's a little bit of news from that. Now, this actually I just saw a second ago while trying to look for the Sarah uh, Leo, uh, Leo Rush deal. And this will be the second to last article before we get into um, the NFC UK review. Pac formerly known as Neville, allegedly turned down an appearance at All In. Interesting. This is from Ryan Satin yesterday. Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks attempted to book Pac, a.k.a. Neville, for his post-WWE appearance at All In over the summer. But Chris Jericho says the wrestler passed on the offer. The information was revealed on the latest episode of Talk with Jericho, while Sami Zayn discussed recently hanging out with the former WWE star. Zane talked about how Pac isn't a money-driven person, and Jericho noted, they tried to get him to go to all-in, like over the top, and he wouldn't do it. He wanted to make his debut with Dragon Gate, and that actually did happen, and he is now the open the Dragon current Open the Dragon Gate champion, if I'm not mistaken. As you may recall, there was some heavy speculation that Neville would be appearing at the event following his WWE release. The 32-year-old instead returned to the ring one month later and went on to win the Open the Dream Gate Championship earlier this month. So, I know I did hear reports about, you know, Neville, I should say, I'm, I'm sorry, Pac, um, making an appearance on their... I was really excited about that. I was thinking in my head, like, if they got Pac immediately right after his release, that would be the biggest possible fuck you um, ever. Ever. But he didn't, and I, I know he was, he debuted in Dragon Gate, won the, uh, opened the Dragon Gate Championship, and I am happy, so happy for Neville, to be truthfully honest, because honestly, he, he deserves, he deserves all the best. In his career, I think he, I think him being on the Indies and there are there's he's gonna have you having dream matches with Osprey. He's gonna be having matches with Falter, you know. And those and those are just things. I the first couple of months of his of the year for him. So to see Neville now, you know, back in the Indies, winning championships, having dream matches with the likes of Volter and Osprey, it's fucking awesome. And I'm so happy that he is finally doing what he wants to do. He looks better than ever. The man looks fucking shredded. If you have not seen his pictures. On like Instagram or Twitter, man, that that is like gym goals to a T, to a fucking T. And I'm like I said, I'm proud of Neville Pac. I should say, I'm gonna smack my hand for that. I gotta get used to saying Pac and not uh, his former uh, likeness. Um, I was gonna go into a Oscar Becky Lynch story, but you probably saw that one on Twitter. The whole deal with um, you know. The match supposedly being done, uh, rematch for the uh, women's, SmackDown Women's Championship at the Royal Rumble, which would have been dope as fuck, but now that since they, they abolished the uh, uh, automatic rematch clause, that they're probably not going to be doing it. So we'll see what happens there. I'm not sure what's going to happen, but that was what I was going to talk about. But this last one really made me happy. Here. This is actually from um, rest, the Wrestling Observer figure four online. 
F4WOnline.com, I should say. And this, like I said, this is a lot of good news that we're talking about right now in the first opening segment, in the opening segment of the show. So, I know that everybody wants to be involved with the whole New Japan deal in the United States. Um, they did announce that there were some shows going to be going down. And this is an article from Dave Meltzer yesterday. NJPW New Beginning USA tickets sell out shortly after going on sale. Tickets for Japan, New Japan's New Beginning USA shows on January 30th, the day after my birthday, and February 1st in Charlotte sold out very shortly after tickets were put on sale earlier today. These are shows that will feature a few of the stars, since the biggest stars will be part of the New Beginning Tour in Japan, and will focus on younger wrestlers, including those trading under Katsuyori Shibata at the New Japan Dojo in California. No lineups were announced for either show. I'm going to say that one more time. No lineups were announced for either show. Two shows sold out. And there wasn't a match announced for those cards. I'm going to continue and then I'm going to tell you what and I'm going to tell you what I think about this. The Los Angeles show is at the Globe Theater, the new home of PWG. You can put well over 1,000 in the building, but PWG usually sets up for just over 600. That show was a given, it would sell out instantly, and all tickets were gone about 20 minutes after the on-sale opened. The Charlotte card at the Grady Cole Center, which decades ago was a regular stop for Jim Crockett Promotions, is listed as holding 3,900 fans, although the capacity was set up for 1,200 tickets, which sold in 90 minutes. Actually, there was some confusion as the start time for the on-sale was placed in places at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, but tickets were actually put on sale at 10 a.m. and gone by 11.30 for the most part. One person noted to us that he was able to get a single back in the seat at 12.50 when realizing tickets were put on sale three hours earlier than expected. Even with it not being a loaded show, it would be the first time New Japan has ever run the Carolinas. So what do I think about this? Big standing ovation from yours truly. Big standing ovation. Well done. The Los Angeles show was going to be a given because they had run shows in California before. I think the late, the most recent one, they have a strong style evolved. I think they were in Long Beach for that one. Give me a second. I'm going to sip some coffee. Oh, uh, well, well, coffee. What would I do without you? But, um... Having it in uh, Los Angeles, they've already built rapport in California. I think they had a show in, um, i trying to think if it was Santa Clara or San Jose or somewhere in Nor- NorCal. Um, they ran a show out there and it was fucking awesome. And then they did a show in Long Beach, which was a, well, a strong style of all, and that was a, a great show as well. So it's not surprising that now that they have the MPW, MP, NJPW Dojo out in LA to start building talent around the United States. It's no surprise that they would have a show in L.A. Just, it's just no surprise. It makes sense. Um, it doesn't surprise me either that the show tw- uh, sold out in 20 minutes. Not at all. The Charlotte card, though, which is also interesting. I heard about that um, the other day, and I wanted to talk about it today. because it made more sense to actually do it on a Sunday before football? To those of you who are in, uh, getting ready for your... Um, Fantasy football championships. If you are in your fantasy football championships, I wish you all the best of luck. I am in one in my non-money league. But um, 
the biggest part about all of this is that even they, these two shows sold out and not one match was announced. Not one, not a one. Excuse me. That is insane. You didn't even announce much uh, as much as a um a young boy match. A Umino Yoshida tag match, an eight-man tag match, not even as much as that. It's insane. It's crazy to me to already think that without a match, the LA show sold out in less than a half an hour, and the Charlotte card sold out in less than two. How crazy is that? That really shows you that New Japan is coming to the United States. They're coming for WWE's head. Because you got to think about it, too. You're already going to have these two shows in January, uh, January 30th and February 1st. L.A. and Charlotte. You're then going to have the ROH G1 Supercard, ROH NJPW G1 Supercard in April on WrestleMania weekend. More than likely, they're going to have a, probably have another show after Dominion in June or July. And maybe have another show towards the end of next year. Who knows? New Japan is coming for the United States. They already have the LA Dojo for New Japan. So now that you have that New Japan Dojo in LA, there's no reason why in the future you're going to be seeing shows in Chicago. You got New York now. You're already going to have New York at at Madison Square Garden of all places. Madison Square Garden, ROH New Japan. So you got Chicago, New York. You've already pretty much got LA. You got whole oh, the state of California on lock. You're now about to hit the Carolinas and Charlotte. That's flair country. Old school stomping grounds for promote professional wrestling. Don't be surprised if you start to see them in cities like Miami, Dallas. I, I'm trying to think of uh, big, uh, big time cities, big time hotbeds. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they did a show in Vegas, Seattle, um, Philly. You know, New Japan is coming to take over the United States market. And if Vince McMahon doesn't start watching his back, New Japan's going to take over the United States. Especially with the shitty ratings we're about to, that we've been given for the last quarter of 2016. Of 2016, my Christ, I don't even want to talk about 2016. Of 2018, I should say. The last three months of 2018... And if they keep, now, with this whole new era, you know, who knows what could happen, but they're going to have to go on on a months-long winning streak to even get fans excited about the product. Sure, you're going to have WrestleMania and the Royal Rumble coming up, but New Japan's got the first, it's the first crack in January with Wrestle Kingdom 13. You also then got to think, you got NXT UK take, take over, Blackpool. And then you got NXT TakeOver Phoenix. And last time I checked, and I've said this many times before, in the last two and a half years at this point, the only show that came close to even tying or beating an NXT TakeOver was Royal Rumble 2016 in San Antonio. That was about, and, and I both thought those were actually good shows. The only reason that Royal Rumble even came close to beating 
take over San Antonio is because the card wasn't as good as the as most. Sure, it had Nakamura rooting on the card, but I mean the rest of the card was okay. It was a good show, and Royal Rumble was just was was good. It wasn't better, but it was good. It was good enough to say they were even. But that is probably the only time in the last like two years or so, close to three years, that a WWE pay per view, Big Five pay per view, has even come close to even matching Takeover. So yeah, it's safe to say that New Japan is coming to the United States full force in 2019. I should be excited. If you don't have NJPW World, you need to get the app. You need to start watching it and get yourself acclimated. Wrestle Kingdom 13 is right around the corner. We are literally, like, almost, like, literally, what, 12 days away from Wrestle Kingdom 13? Y'all better get the fuck ready. Because New Japan in 2019 is going to be bigger and better than ever. And you got to think, too, with the guys in ROH as well. It's going to be absolutely fan-fucking-tastic. There's no reason... Like, Vince McMahon should honestly be excited to think that New Japan is going to be able to try to compete with WWE. He's gonna, he should be excited, not trying to take stars from the indies in order to keep them away from ROH and New Japan shows. He should be welcoming this competition because, because competition makes you better. Iron sharpens Iron. Iron sharpens iron, people. We all know this. It's crazy to me how Vincent's mentality isn't dead set on thinking, how can we be able to compete, to be able to, to make sure, because we, we, we got to think, they have the, we have, without a doubt, the best roster in professional wrestling today. Hands down. You can have Okada, Tanahashi, and all them all you want. But you have the Rollins, you have the Ambroses, you have the Reigns, you have the Lesners, you have the Daniel Bryans, the Styles, the Nakamuras, the Rusevs, you know, the the Charlottes, the Beckys, the Sashas, the Rondas. You have all this talent. And look at that, think about NXT 2 under that umbrella. And think about what you have with NXT UK under that umbrella. And the developmental brands are better than the main roster. I'm telling you, it's going to get to a point in 2019 where people, if WWE doesn't start getting their shit together, it's going to be a long, tumultuous year for WWE. And I'm only talking about the main roster. And I'm not talking about developmental. I'm only talking about the main roster. It's going to be a long year for WWE unless they start getting their act together. This is episode 37 of the Young Lions Perspective. And with that being said, let us begin. What's going on, guys? That from the Wrestling Relations Podcast here, and welcome to episode 37 of the Young Lions Perspective, the second to last show of 2018 i hope you enjoyed the announcement that i made in the opening segment there and i hope you enjoyed what we talked about uh news wise in the opening segment um i'm really happy about doing this i'm not gonna have much going on anyway on tuesday because i'm just gonna be chilling out uh just enjoying the day and i wouldn't have much to do anyway so i figured hey why not give the gift of 
podcasting. Of course, professional wrestling podcasting on Christmas Day. Sounds like a damn good idea to me. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day, your night, your afternoon, your evening, your gym time, whatever time you are checking out the podcast. Thank you guys so much for checking out the show, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you for being with here with me on this football Sunday, week 16. It's a big slate of games today, especially with a lot of playoff implications. Of course, my boys, the Seattle Seahawks, are going to be playing the Kansas City Chiefs tonight on the night game, the flex game. I'm really excited about that, so I had more than enough time to actually do this recording. I know I'm in my fantasy football championships. Uh, it's a two-weeker. For me, week 16 and 17, I know for most of you, today is your championship. So good luck to all of those who are in their fantasy football championships today. But today is not about fantasy football. This is not a fantasy football podcast because I kind of am okay at fantasy football. I'm not going to front. Uh, but we, but of course, today is Sunday, and that means we talk about NXT UK. And I mean, let's think about it real quick. We are sitting here on the cusp of NXT UK's first takeover. And if I'm looking at my calendar correctly... We are about less, a little, just less than three weeks away from NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool. So that means we are, we have six episodes between now and TakeOver UK. So we still have enough time for matches to form and all that good stuff, but Still, what I'm what I've been loving as of late, and I kind of figured this out uh, immediately. So the I love the format of how NXT UK has taken on so far. In the beginning episodes, I'd say like episodes like one through six or so, they focus more on building the brand as a whole, giving you the stars, the top names that are going to be featured. Going forward, you know, the Pete Dunn's, the Joe Coffees, um, now, now Gallus with Mark Coffee and Wolfgang, Mustache Mountain, um, Mark Andrews, Flash Morgan Webster, Joseph Connors, Noam Dar. And then, and it focused more, it centered more around the NXT UK Championship. The next few weeks after that, they, they started to focus more, they focused more on the NXT UK Women's Championship. Of course, when they had their tournament, uh, focused surrounding that. Of course, the first two episodes of that were quarterfinals. The next two were quarterfinal matches. Um, then, of course, you had your semifinals and then your your championship final match. And that was centered around a good four-week period somewhere, three, four, three to four-week period somewhere around there. Now we're focusing more on the NXT tag team division, and that's starting to build up and build around that. So over these past 18 episodes, they've really focused on at least five to six episodes per span to give you focus on, okay, this is what we got for the top UK guys. This is what we have for the top UK women. This is what we have for the UK tag team scene. And every story was told. And across the first 18 episodes, they have really solidified, you know, okay, now we can incorporate, of course, incorporating within each segment of the, of the show so far, which is within each period, you know, we're going to now incorporate the women more. We're going to start incorporating tag team action more. You know, starting to solidify storylines. Of course, the big one being Gallus and Mustache Mountain. Um, you know, building Jordan Devlin. Now we have the uh, NXT UK Women's Champion, Rhea Ripley. You know, defending her championship against Isla Dawn. And, of course, you know, the big matchups. Uh, the storyline story between Fabian Eichner, 
um, going after Andrews and, and uh, Flash Morgan Webster, Jordan Devlin, like I said, being established, Joseph Connors being established, Eddie Dennis had taken on uh, bomber Dave Mastiff. You know, Dave Mastiff still undefeated. You know, there's a lot going on, and there's a lot that they've built so far that I can absolutely truly appreciate. And if you're a fan of NXT UK, like I am, I and you've seen the journey we have been taking on so far. And these next six episodes are really going to start being more of the huge buildup to NXT uh, UK TakeOver Blackpool. And I'm really excited for what the next three weeks are going to give us, especially I'd say the last, I would say the week of, of go-home shows for TakeOver Blackpool uh, episodes. I, w- I would say, let me think, because we're getting, I would say it would be 23 and 24 that are our go-home shows. And I'm really excited, really, really excited that, you know, of the next set of stories they're going to be telling in the lead-up to uh, to Blackpool. I am very excited to see what they're going to do next. And let's just get right into it. Episode 17 started off with the Irish ace himself, Jordan Devlin, as he went one-on-one with the wild boar, Mike Hitchman. He still wants to change this brand to NXT Ireland. I don't blame him. He's one of the top guys in the brand right now. I'd say so myself. And I definitely put him in my future stars list. And if I didn't, I yeah, I put him on my future stars list for, for that simple reason that he over the past month or so really impressed me as of late. And I think he could be a huge name, especially now being on the NXT UK brand in 2019. He has been killing it as of late. And while Boar is no slouch in that ring, he's gone up against T-bone. He's gone up against Mastiff. So he is he's a hard man to put away. But this is the biggest, of course, it's a bigger match for Hitchman than it was for Devlin. That's not to say, you know, if Devlin Devlin or Devin lost doesn't kind of screw up his chances to get back into the NXT UK championship title run. So of course they tie up. Boar gets the arm. He chin bars Devlin, goes with immediate cover. Devlin got a one count. Then uh Boar tosses Devlin overhead. Devlin gets up with grit. And, of course, smiles, you know, grit the teeth and a, and a glare right back at Devlin. They tie up again, and Devlin starts pulling the hair of uh, Hitchman. Boar turns things around at the rope. Devlin goes for, goes low to forearm Boar in the back. He then shoves and forms Boar again and kicks him down, trying to keep him down on the ground. Not wanting to have the strength utilized by Hitchman on Devlin. He starts clubbing away on Boar, gets backed off at four. Yanks Boar up to push and forearm his back again. Devlin then hooks Boar's face to drive in an elbow. Uh, Devlin pulls Boar back with a chin lock and a knee to the back, trying to pretty much lower his base to try to hurt the back. Strong man, break down his back, break down his base. Boar endures all of it, prizes his way out. Uh, fans start to rally behind Hitchman as he starts throwing forms into Devlin. He whips Boar, gets, um, Devlin actually whips Boar, I beg your pardon, hard into the turnbuckles. Devlin laughs at Boar as he eggs him on. Like, literally laughing at Boar, but Boar's telling him, come on, bring it. Boar grins back, and that actually shocked Devlin. That, you know, Boar took all that abuse from Devlin, and Boar just smiled at him. So Devlin comes back, throws Sarah to throw some heavy forearms, picks Boar up, hits a Uranagi, then hits a standing moonsault, but Boar got out of the way. Boar then runs into a back, runs a back senton on Devlin. Fans start rallying up behind Boar, of course. Boar starts throwing some hammering hands. Runs into a shoulder, runs to shoulder block Devlin. Boar gives his own Uranagi. Covers that only got a two count. 
the Bart with Boar as he runs corner to corner, hits up huge sword, shoulder tackle. He pulls Devlin out, package lift, but Devlin slipped out of it and hits a swinging Pele kick. The way he, and I love, I love, this move was so amazing. Comes out of the corner, Devlin slipped out of it. And it was like, it was like a, like a twisting corkscrew Pele kick that Devlin hit on Hitchman. It was, it was something to see. I was, I was really shocked by it. I'm watching this match and I was like, what the fuck is that? It was a very, very interesting maneuver and very athletic, showing off the athleticism by Devlin. I was more than thoroughly impressed by that move. Surprisingly, that only got a two count. Devlin drags Boar up to a drop zone. He goes up to the top rope. Devin leaps but lands on his feet. Boar dodges out of the uh, out of the way. Comes back. Pop up power bomb by Hitchman. Boar rolls Devlin into a corner. Goes corner to corner. Looks for the inverter cannonball. Misses. Devlin picks up Boar. Hits the back suplex driver. He then picks up Boar. Hits the finishing move that he calls the Ireland's call, and that was enough to get Devlin the victory. Over Wild Boar Mike Itchman. Another match, another victory. Devlin picks up the mic after the match. Devlin picked up a mic after the match and asked the people, when are you people going to learn what that miserable little punk just learned? But the rest of the guys in that locker room know when you bet on Jordan Devlin, it's not a gamble because Ace trumps all. Mmm. Mmm. I like, I like the way he's talking. I like the way he's talking. And the more he progresses in NXT UK, I think the more and more he's going to be a huge name in the coming months. And especially, in, I'm telling you, 2019, look out for Jordan Devlin. I like this guy. I even posted it on Twitter. I, I, I am starting to grow big time for the Irish Ace. He is just an absolute beast in the ring. I love the way he gets down. And I'm t- I mean, if the... <gasps> Hey, relax, Marley. I know you like him. I know you like him on all, but calm down. Uh, she's mad about something. She's probably heard the neighbors <laughs> downstairs. Don't mind her. Okay, okay. Oh boy, she's she's mad about something. We're gonna leave, we're gonna leave all that in there. By the way, I'm I'm not taking that bit out at all. So, <laughs> yes, Marley, you're gonna be on the show. Okay. Relax. Yes, we're going to put you in there. No no nonsense, all right? You're fine. You're fine. I know. Anyway, <laughs> sorry about that. I beg your pardon. Big. Relax. Lay down. Enjoy the show. My, and, that's my, and that's the appearance from my dog, Marley, who's now staring at me and looking at me like I'm an idiot. Anyway, let's get back into it. Uh, NXT UK Media caught up with me, Mustache Mountain. Uh, as they are going to be facing the new team of Saxon Hustley and Tiger Tyson T-Bone. Um, but they still are having to worry about Gallus in the background. So they're asked, how are they finding the NXT UK tag team division so far? So they say that, well, there's no being around the bush. The brand kicked off in a big way. And that they're that Huxley and T-Bone will get dealt with. They have, now they did state, they have beef with Gallus. But those three will be out of the way soon enough. And Mustache Mountain can focus on getting those NXT UK Tag Team Championships. And they said, and I believe Seven was the one that said, we did it once before, we can do it again. And they can. And I mean, they're definitely a viable threat 
to become the first ever NXT UK Tag Team Champions. Uh, I definitely would put them in, the, I would say, the top three right now. If I had a top three ranking right now, I would say Mustache, in no particular order, Mustache Mountain, Gallus, and um, the Grizzle Young Veterans right now as your top three. If you want to add a fourth, I would say Flash Morgan Webster and Mark Andrews. But uh, there was a backstage interview with uh, Andrews and Webster. Um, they go up, actually, we're going to go up against the Grizzled uh, Young Veterans in episode 18. And they asked, with the NXT UK Tag Team Championships up for grabs, what could this victory mean towards impressing Johnny Satan and Sid Scala? They said, big things, real big things. They want the gold, and they embody what NXT UK is, the most exciting thing in the WWE. There is no glass ceiling for NXT UK for those two. The sky is the limit. And I would say, after watching that match with the Grizzly Young Veterans, they definitely put on a show, but there was some nonsense going on. We'll discuss that in episode 18, a little foreshadowing for you guys. But Fabian Eichner was in action against Eddie Ryan. And over the past couple of weeks, Eichner has been impressing me a good amount. I've seen him before. I saw him in the Cruiserweight Classic. I did see him a little bit in NXT, but he was he was just used as most more so enhancement talent. And ever since he went to Evolve, he was a, he's a former Evolve champion. Uh, now he's a former Evolve champion. Uh, just in case you didn't know, Austin Theory, I believe, is the new uh, Evolve champion. And if I, like I said, if I got that wrong, let me let me know, guys. I want to make sure we're all on the same page, knowing who is what. But I know Eichner is no longer uh, the Evolve champion. So especially now that he's involved in NXT UK, makes sense. So this was a little bit of a quick match. From what I saw. So, of course, Eddie Ryan was the uh, local hero. He was the hometown hero from Plymouth, England. So, they circle around, uh, Ryan circles around Eichner. Eichner offers a handshake. Uh, Ryan went to take it, of course, in typical Hill fashion. He pull, Eichner pulled it away. He laughs at Ryan, but comes back to tie it up with Ryan. Eichner puts Ryan into the corner, fakes a punch, laughs at Ryan for flinching when he's trying to throw a punch at him, and then they tie up again. Eichner gets a headlock, Ryan powered out of it. Uh, Brian went for Ryan went for a hip toss, but Eichner blocked it. Goes for the clothesline, missed it. Ryan shoves and drop kicks Eichner and clotheslines him out of the ring to the fan, to the lovely fanfare of the Plymouth crowd. Uh, Ryan built up speed, goes through, I believe he went through the ropes, but got caught into a tilt a whirl backbreaker on the outside. Eichner then stomps away on Ryan, even drops a couple of axe handles. Uh, of course, after some taunts in, from the crowd. Uh, Ryan gets up, chops Eichner. Eichner kick goes with a low kick. He then hits a big back suplex after the... Now, this is all about in the ring. Uh, went for the cover. Only got a two count. Eichner keeps on Ryan. A couple shots to the ribs. Fans start to rally behind Ryan as he endures the abdominal uh, stretch from Eichner. He works out of the hold. Fights back with a couple body shots. Eichner goes for the low goes for the uh, low knee. Suplexes. Ryan slips out of it. He then headbutts the gut of Eichner and started using some European uppercuts to, get, to start getting some momentum. He shoves and then hits Enziguri in the uh, Eichner and put him into a corner. Ryan then ran in, but ran into a big forearm smash. Uh, he actually hit a big forearm smash. I'm sorry. Uh, he keeps the momentum going. Eichner gets out of the way, runs into a back elbow from Ryan. Ryan goes then goes for a flying uppercut, hits that, and that surprisingly got a two count. So, in the end, Ryan picks Eichner up. Ryan grabs the rope. Eichner grabs the ropes. Uh, he's trying to pull him off the ropes. Eichner refuses to let go. He then kicks Eichner, rocks him with a forearm. Eichner then reverses the whip and suplexes Ryan and to hang him out to dry on the top rope. Ryan falls to the floor and Eichner slingshots right out. 
picks Ryan up, and then and what of course his MO the past couple of weeks rams him right into the steel steps and then hits the running knee into the corner, throws Ryan into the ring, finishes him off with a spinning sit-out power bomb, and that got the victory for Fabian Eichner. Now I will say, like I said before about the tag match that the uh Webster and Andrews had with the Grizzly Young Veterans, keep this part in mind when we get to that point. So Fabian Eichner with the victory there. Travis Banks then cut a promo. Of course, heading into his match with Joe Coffey in episode 18 of NXT UK. He says, Joe Coffey, you want to squash me? Well, I'm the Kiwi Buzzsaw. Nobody squashes me. Now, talking about, the, of course, the, the attack that happened to him at Cambridge. Um, but they, you know, try to make sure he never came back to NXT. Of course, he would come back, came back with a fury and dealt with uh, Wolfgang. Now he's solely set on the Iron King. He says, Joe Worley's only about the title, but what he should worry about is the buttsaw coming right up, right behind him. He says, your oversight will be your downfall. So that, that was, that was, that was really nice little uh, segment there talking about Travis Banks, talking about the match with Joe Coffey. And he is right. You're, you should, you are focused on Pete Dunne, but you should be focused on me. We then get into Mustache Mountain taking on the debuting team of Saxon Huxley and T-Bone. And I have to say, in terms of what of Huxley and T-Bone, they actually look good together as a tag team. Of course, a heel tag team and everything. But they really, really, really look nice. And they have the, like, the right look as a tag team. Uh, of course, Ty, Tyson T-Bone um, bringing in Saxon Huxley to team up with him. And I think, like I said, I think it was a smart move, especially, like I said, for teams to be building up. To build a division, you must have teams. Even if they're possibly the most random of teams, like uh, Williams, uh, Kenny Williams and Amir Jordan, you got to have those like those, those tag teams to help build names, like Grizzle Young Veterans and Flash Morgan Webster and Mark Andrews. But you never know, somewhere down the line, Williams and Jordan could be future tag, NXT UK tag team champions. Stranger things have happened in, in professional wrestling, especially in the WWE. But this actually was a, a decent match uh, for a debuting team like Huxley and T-Bone. So, uh, T-Bone and Bates started off the match. So, of course, T-Bone being the bigger man. The bell rings. T-Bone started swinging on Bates. Of course, Bates keeping his guard up in the corner. T-Bone keeps firing off with rights and left until the referee counts to four. He, of course, T-Bone backing up. Bates starts throwing hands back, gets in a couple shots. T-Bone then picks Bates up. Throws him over, brings him over to Huxley. Just picked him up like he was a small child and brought him over to the corner they were in. Huxley tags in, starts throwing him big knees on bait, drags bait up, hits into a Canadian backbreaker. Goes to a Canadian backbreaker. Bait slipped out of that, gets to a corner and books Huxley away. Huxley comes running after him, hits a knee. Uh, bait then leaps up for a nice flying uppercut. There's nothing better than a Tyler Bait uppercut. Okay, there are a lot of things better than a Tyler Bait uppercut. But their Tyler Bate uppercut is pretty freaking sweet. So he tags in uh, Trent Seven. Seven baits Huxley in. Huxley takes the bait, gets a chop for his shovels, gets another chop. Then starts climbing up to throw down another, throw more chops. He sees T-Bone coming and runs him off. Huxley then leaps in for his, uh, his signature Thez press. And I have to say, in terms of height, Huxley can get some height. 
on that Luthez press. I'm not even going to lie. He gets some height on that Luthez press. It's fucking fantastic. So after that, he tags in T-Bone. He pick, who picks seven up, chops T, uh, seven chops T-Bone, gets fired up. T-Bone dares him to cut, cut, uh, chop him some more. He said he hits a low kick and then a DDT right after that. Very smart move uh, by Trent Seven not taking the bait from Tyson T-Bone. Uh, fans start chanting for the big strong boys as Seven goes for a leg lock. T-Bone pushes him away. Seven hits Huxley in the corner, then turns around to eat a heavy right hand from T-Bone. He drags Seven up and over, tags in Huxley. Huxley then stops Seven, drags him up into the corner, tag back to T-Bone. T-Bone whips Huxley in for a big splash. T-Bone then sits Seven up, fans starting to rally behind uh, Mustache Mountain. T-Bone drives his knee in again and again, stops at three to give Seven a face wash, that boot into the face in the corner. Drag seven out for a cover that and that got a two count. T-Bone with the quick tags on Huxley. He brings seven up, seven fires back with body shots, trying to get himself back into the match. He then knees in for uh, Huxley then knees in for his arm seven, puts him against the ropes. Referee's counting, but Huxley runs into runs to crossbody seven against the ropes. That got a two count. He then keeps on seven, brings T-Bone back into the match, fresh, keeping the fresh man in. And keeping seven in their half of the ring. Very smart move by the tag team, as always. Scoop slam seven. Tyson T-Bone drives an elbow. That was a nice little tag team combination. Like I said, that got a two count. T-Bone then keeps seven grounded with a face lock. Fans starting to rally up again behind seven. At this point, Tyler was begging for the tag. He was trying to get that hot tag from seven. He kicks and flails and tries to power his way into Mustache Mountain's corner. He gets closer with each step, but club, but T-Bone clubbing forearm keeps him at bay. T-Bone then hits big for good measure to make sure the tag wasn't made, but Seven comes back with a snapdragon suplex. He crawls towards his corner. Huxley tags in immediately, knowing that they're, they're trying to prevent the hot tag from happening. He drags Seven away, but he catches the insecurity for his troubles, and the ta- hot tag to Tyler Bate comes in. Comes in with European uppercuts, forearms for both Huxley and T-Bone. Fans start singing for bit. Dodges. He dodges out of the way, sends Huxley's boot into Tyson T-Bone, knocking him down. The ending of this match had seen T-Bone flopping out of the ring after the bop and bang by Tyler Bate. Bate builds up speed, dives on him outside the ring. He goes back in, starts going after Huxley. A double underhook. But, uh, Huxley backdrops out of it. Bate lands on his feet. The agility of Tyler Bate. Tags in seven. He then boots Huxley. Seven grabs Huxley for a full Nelson. Seven then brings Huxley up. Bait runs. Hits the rebound lariat to Snapdragon suplex. And that was enough to give Mustache Mountain the victory. And, of course, hoping that will impress uh, NXT GM Johnny Saint and assistant to the GM Sid Scala. So after the match, we had... Uh, interview with Dave Mastiff, the bomber himself, the bomber of the black country, who was the last undefeated superstar and top monster of NXT UK. Um, he was asked, I believe Rodzi was the guy who was interviewing him. He said his match with, uh, he asked him, he told him his match with Dennis was pretty brutal, but brutal is what Mastiff does. Where does he go next? Uh, Mastiff replies, well, perhaps the NXT UK championship. At, but soon after, Excuse me. Eddie Dennis attacks him, throws Massive into the doors and into the walls, taking him out for the moment. Eddie Dennis said this is not over between him and Mastiff. Excuse me. Oh, my goodness. He says this is not over by a long shot. 
And I'm not saying, I, I don't know, like I said, I'm not sure what how they're going to fill out NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool. But if there's one match maybe they're considering for the card, I maybe might think Eddie Dennis and Bom- uh, Bomber Dave Mastiff could be one of those matches going into NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool. I'm not sure. Maybe they'll, of course, you know, we have three weeks of episodes so far. But it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, maybe, just maybe, Dennis and Mastiff face each other one more time. And that one more time could be at NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool. Who knows? But we'll see how that goes going forward. Main event time on episode 17, the NXT UK Women's Championship, the first title defense for Rhea Ripley taking on the White Witch herself, Isla Dawn. I was actually excited about this. Um, This was definitely a test for Ripley. Isla Dawn is no slouch, of course. Not going to say anything wrong about that, but it's it's very nice to see finally, you know, Rhea Ripley is the champion. Dawn is the first title defense, you know, is the first challenger to the title. And this is, I knew this was going to be a solid, solid match. So, introductions made, belts raised, ring that bell, let's go. And of course, with every story, there is a beginning. We must go to the beginning. So, the crowd was immediately on Isla's side from the jump. Rhea doesn't, didn't let that bother her one bit. They tie up. Rhea, of course, using her power, puts them in the corner. Isla turns it around, pushes back on her, but then Rhea turns it back around. They keep pushing and pushing, and Isla gets the headlock. Finally, Rhea pulls the hair, but Isla continues to wrench on the head. Rhea then pilots Isla around as fans start to rally up behind her. She powers out of the headlock. Isla trips her up into a double stop. Immediately went for the cover, and that was on one count. Isla keeps on Ripley with another headlock. Rhea endures, rolls Isla, goes for the roll-up. That got a two count, surprisingly. Isla keeps the hold, wrenches it a little bit deeper now, trying to keep her down. Rhea squeezes back with a side bear hug, the two and the two stand up. Isla holding on to Rhea Ripley's. Uh, Isla holds on while Rhea pulled Isla's hair. So Rhea puts Isla into the corner, gets a body shot in. She then shoves Isla out and then hits her with a drop kick. Fans applauding the power that Rhea has. Stop. Rhea starts stomping Isla in the corner. Isla gets up and the two start trading forearms, but Rhea gets the heart, gets the better of. Isla, in that exchange, she's, she's stalking Isla as fans start to rally up. She then clubs Isla down again, but Isla hits back on her. Rhea then kicks Isla into a corner and starts stomping a mud hole in Dawn. Rhea starts mocking the fans as she's getting as she's dragging Isla out. So she suplexes Isla, brings it down, goes for the cover. That was a two count. Rhea toys with Isla. Fans start to continue to rally behind Isla. She then goes for the legs, but Isla pushes her away only for Rhea to come back Hits her with a boot and knocks her down. She starts flexing a little bit as she grinds a boot into Isla's back. Fans didn't like that one single bit at all. I was laughing my ass off. So, we get a little bit later into the match. um, After a big clothesline by Isla. Of course, Rhea goes for the suplex. Isla blocks it. They start fighting again. Rhea goes again. Isla pushes her away. Isla swings, Rhea blocks that, Rhea lifts her, but Isla wheelbarrows, Rhea blocked it again, gets the two count, and immediately goes for the inverted cloverleaf that had Isla screaming in pain, selling that move very well. 
Isla claws for the ropes, manages to get the rope break. She drops Isla and then kicks her right in the arm. Isla then drags up right by her chin, glaring at her in the eyes. I love the the little this, this the little details that Rhea does, you know, just picking her up by that by the chin and just glaring at her. It's like, I'm going to destroy you. Isla breaks free and starts hitting a couple forearms. The ending it seemed. Isla went for the call of the quarters, her finishing maneuver that has beaten everybody up to this point. She hits it after a roundhouse kick. So, and that got a two count. She was in shock. She had beaten every single person with the call of the quarters, and it should and she felt it was no different. Rhea kicked out. She had her home run hit, as Nigel McGinnis had described. And now she had to think of a new way to beat her. Fans start to rally behind as both women stand. Isla goes after Rhea with an Irish whip, but Rhea held onto the ropes. Rhea hits her forearm and tries to go for the whip again. Irish whip again. Rhea still blocks. She Isla goes for the kick. She ducked it and got caught into the pump handle that allowed Rhea Ripley to hit Riptide. One, two, three. Your winner and still NXT UK Women's champion Rhea Ripley. This is actually a decent match and a decent and a really decent first title defense for Rhea. Isla Dawn is no slouch. I had seen her in the, of course, if you'd seen her in the May Young Classic tournament and matches against Nina Samuels and Killer Kelly up to this point, you know she is a she's a damn good person in the ring. But unfortunately for her, she made one fatal mistake. She thought she had her with call of the quarters, went for a roundhouse kick, got caught in the pump handle, and that was enough. To put Isla Dawn away. Um, in terms of who the next challenger is, I don't know yet. I'm not exactly sure, but we'll be discussing. The, there are actually a couple more women's matches we'll be talking about in episode 18 of NXT UK. We're gonna take a quick break here from one of uh, the sponsors. Uh, I believe it's either I believe it's gonna be the, either the Infatuation or uh, one from our the home source itself anchor so like i said we're gonna take a quick break and get talking about nxt episode 18 keep it locked all right we are back and getting ready to talk about nxt uk episode 18 just looking at the card i literally watched this this morning like i normally do what i usually do on wednesday nights i don't watch both episodes back to back i've been on a Weird sleeping funk lately where I just, where I become old man status and I'm in bed like right after 10 o'clock. It's kind of weird and I'm not used to it, but it bees what it bees. But I usually watch NXT. Then I watch the first episode of NXT UK. Um, this past week I had to uh, get up early for work. So I was only, I was like, okay, we'll watch at least the first episode and then we'll watch it the second episode sometime over the weekend. That's usually how I do it. And it keeps it fresh on my mind, especially with the second episode, because then I can get a little bit more in-depth on it, since I had seen it earlier on this morning. So, episode 18 started with the return of none other than Miss Tony Storm herself. Of course, a couple weeks removed from her NXT Women's UK, NXT UK Women's Championship loss to the now champion Rhea Ripley. She, t- she actually took on Charlie Morgan, and she is no slouch at all, just letting you guys know. So, uh, bell rings, 
Storm and Morgan shake hands, show a little bit of sportsmanship. They go for the collar knuckle tie-up, hold on to each other, and there was a tie. They go back to tie it up again. That's a little bit longer. They break off again. Morgan slaps Tony right in the face. Tony immediately grins, starts falling, and she hit her back with three palm strikes. Hits a round, hits a kick to the gut, runs into the ropes, and boots Morgan down, and fans are immediately cheering her on. She then goes for the Irish rip. Morgan reverses. Tony changes for deck, uh, directions, goes for a drop kick, went for the cover immediately. That got a one count a little bit early on in the match. So go ahead, try to take a, put uh, Morgan away. She then stops Morgan, goes out, starts going up to the legs with the Indian death lock. Falls back into a STF. This was actually really, really nice. The way she did it, she had the death lock. And, of course, the Indian death lock already is a very menacing is a very menacing hold. They turned that into an STF. That was a very, very nice spot there. Morgan had enough to crawl over and get the rope break. Uh, Tony lets go, but stomps her into a corner. Actually, what she did before that, before she put her into the corner, is that after Morgan bro- uh, got the rope break, she actually threw her knees down. Had, still had the hold intact, but took that and threw her knees down right after that. That was very nice. Try to add a little bit more damage as she's letting go of the hold. So she has Morgan in the corner. She throws a few forearms, runs in, but runs into boots by Morgan. She then boots, boots Tony away, hints at insecurity of her own, which was very, very clean. That only got a one count. Morgan was actually surprised by that, but she keeps on Tony hitting clubbing forearms. She then has Tony in the corner, hits a few chops, stalks her for a back elbow. She rolls Tony on after that, brings her around for a couple elbows, and actually locks in a camel clutch of her own, trying to get Tony to tap out. She endures the stretch. She pried her way out. She slipped out from the back. Pump handle flips Morgan over, which was very nice. And then fired off a few more forearms of her own. Tony Irish whip throws uh, goes for the Irish whip. Morgan then reverses. She gets behind to throw Morgan with a snap German suplex. Uh, Morgan crawls into the corner trying to stay out of harm's way, but that was more than enough space to get Tony to run in and ram her with the ram her with the hip attack. Picks Morgan up, goes for the double underhook, hits Storm Zero, and that was enough to get Tony Storm the victory over Charlie Morgan. In her return to NXT UK, it looked like she hadn't missed a step in a while. It was really nice. Um, and we all know Storm's going to be gunning for Ripley in the NXT UK Women's Championship. Immediately after that, they did a little bit of a vignette on Gallus. Um, you know, sitting there just as bold, as daring, and dangerous as the word itself. Uh, you know, this pretty much showing highlights of Gallus and what they've done so far in NXT UK. Um, but this was just a lead up into the main event against Travis Banks. Nothing more, nothing less, but it was a very nice vignette. Uh, if you haven't seen episode 18 yet, well, oops. And, uh, I definitely would see it regardless because it was a very, very solid, mm, excuse me, vignette. A little bit. No, I thought got me a little bit. Mm. So we get into Mark Andrews versus Flash Morgan Webster and Flash Morgan Webster. I'm sorry. Taking on the Grizzly Young Veterans, Zach Gibson and James Drake. This was actually a fun match. And if Coffee and Banks weren't in the main event, I would have given this match of the night honors. So, Gibson and Andrew start the match, and immediately as Gibson is the ring, fans start there. If you hate Gibson, stand up. It never gets old. It honestly never, ever, ever gets old. So, they tie up. Gibson puts Andrews against the ropes. He lets off, but gets a cheap shot in before he uh, walks away. 
scoops up Andrews. Andrews slips out of it and act to go for an arm drag. I like this, and I like this spot early on right here. Tries to go for an arm drag. Gibson blocks it. Threw Andrews into a corner. Andrews elbows away. He then hops up, leaps for a, a wheelbarrow arm drag. That was really, really nice. Andrews then goes after Gibson's arm. Tags in Flash Morgan Webster immediately. The speedsters then whip Gibson into the ropes. Double Hits a double to- hip toss. Then a standing moonsault and an imploding senton combo. I love, that's what I love about this. That was a really, really dope spot. And I'm telling you, this tag team is going to be very interesting going forward in the division. They went for the cover. That got a two count. Uh, Flash kept on Gibson with a face lock. Gibson powers his way into the corner of the grizzled young veterans and got the tag in for James Drake, who clobbered Flash immediately. Uh, moving a little bit further into the match, uh, this was actually a very nice spot here. I really enjoyed this. They had a can the camera panned to um, Zach Gibson as Drake was working on Webster, and he and you saw him taking off his wrist tape. It was really this is really nice. Um, now Flash had uh, hit the Rude Boy block. Um, Drake gets into the corner. Flash hits a big knee on him. He was going up to the top rope. Gibson then throws the wrist tape at him. And that was more than enough to take advantage of the distraction as Drake hits a leaping forearm that sent Flash crashing down onto the floor. That gave that was more than enough to get the tag on Gibson, and Gibson started to do his worst. Gibson hauls Flash up, picks him up. Drake, Drake slingshocks out of the top rope, and they hit the backbreaker stomp on Flash Morgan Webster. That was a nice move there. Fans, of course, boo and jeer. Gibson continues to uh, tune him out. He then drags uh, Flashback up, tosses him into the barriers, throws Flashback in, and, st- and it stays between him and Andrews as Webster's trying to get to the corner to tag in Andrews. Uh, Gibson then reels in Flash for the Lariat. Uh, that guy only got a two count. Uh, Gibson then put Flash in a Cobra clutch, starts thrashing him around. Uh, fans still singing about the, you know, if you, if you hate Gibson, shoes off. And then you hear uh, McGinnis in the background screaming, they need to put their, that's unsanitary. They need to put their shoes back on. <laughs> that, that had me laughing a little bit. Uh, moving a little bit on further into the match, and definitely uh, I want to talk about towards the end of the match. So right after this, Flash goes up, goes up and over Gibson, under Drake. Drake grabbed his legs. He finally shoves Drake into Gibson, and that was enough to get the hot tag to Andrews. Andrews then springboards over Drake and hits a hurricane rider to Gibson. Andrews then fires off haymakers and chops on Drake. He goes for the Irish whip, but Drake reversed it. He slides underneath a double clothesline and hits an amazing double Pele kick on the grizzled young veterans. Gibson rolled out of the way, and Andrews goes up the tag after Drake. Drake reverses it and and hits the Irish whip, but Andrews fakes him out, hits a nice tornado DDT, and that only got a two count. Andrews keeps on Drake. Drake shoves him away. Gibson tags in. Drake goes for the waist lock, but Andrews fights both of them off. He runs at Gibson, uh, but it was put in the corner. He sweeps the legs, rocks Andrews with a forearm. This this is a very, very nice spot as well. He had, I believe, um, he puts Andrews into the corner, seats him on the top uh, top turnbuckle. He sweeps his legs to trap his legs in the corner. Andrews hits a forearm. Drake then hits a drop kick on Andrews and then grit your teeth. The draping, the draping code breaker. That was so 
fucking clean. So, and that only got a two count. He then drags Andrews up, tags in Drake. Drake climbs in, and Gibson go picks up picks up uh, Andrews in an electric chair. Andrews fights out, shoves Gibson in a Drake, tags in Morgan Webster. Gibson runs runs in, gets dumped out. Uh, Flash then kicks Drake, springboards for a reverse Rana on Drake. It wasn't the cleanest of uh, inverted uh, a reverse Ranas, but it got the job done. Goes for the cover, but Gibson breaks it up at two. He then drags, uh, Gibson drags Drake over to their corner. A very wise veteran move. And even Andrew McGinnis pulled out that detail. Bringing your guy into the corner so you can get the tag and get in. You're the fresher man. Why not? He starts going after Flash. Falls for the faint and it gets rocked with an amazing headbutt. Flash brings Gibson over to the corner. Tags in Andrews. Arm wrenches. Goes for the tilt world, but Gibson throws Flash at Andrews. He then tags in Drake and grabs Flash. Drake ends the Gurries and, and Gibson throws Flash with a long dart. That was nice. They go after Andrews. They drape him off, they drag him off the top rope. They go for the double suplex, but got dropped with a double stun dog millionaire. That was very, very nice. Uh, Andrews hurries up top, takes aim, but out of nowhere comes Mr. Fabian Eichner himself. He shoves Flash into the steel steps. Behind the referee's back, Andrew sees it, and as he's about to rain down another running knee, the timing of this was absolutely perfect. He was about to hit Morgan Webster, Flash Morgan Webster with the knee. Andrew sees it, and the way he timed it was perfect. As he was about to hit the knee, he dives on, uh, hits a suicide dive on Eichner and starts raining down rights. But in the process, James Drake tagged in Zach Gibson. Referee saw it. Said, signaled, that was a tag. Drake then grabs Andrew. Now, this was a very, very nice way to end this match, the way they did this, besides the Eichner move. Gibson's on the outside. He allowed Drake to get still get the attack and make Andrews believe he was the legal man. Drake grabs Andrews. Andrews swing kicks him down. He climbs up the top rope. He's still thinking that Drake is legal. Hits the fall to piece of shooting star. Went for the pin, but the referee said, no, he's not the legal man. That caused enough of a distraction to for Zach Gibson to lock Shankly Gates on Andrews. Andrews tries to fight out of it, but unfortunately is forced to tap and the grizzled young veterans defeat Mr. Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster. What a victory for the grizzled young veterans. And another way of Fabian Eichner screwing over Webster and Andrews. This was a very solid match, a very nice way to end it. That was a surprising end, uh, finish to this match. Um, this, this was I'm 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 really going to be interesting to see what happens for all three of them. That being Webster, Andrews, and Eichner going forward. The second women's match of the night was uh, a personal uh, it's a personal favorite of mine, Miss Miss Killer Kelly herself. mm Hmm. She looked, she, yeah. You know, first Portuguese lady in the WWE and, and Nina Samuels is, is, is not a, is a looker too. I ain't going front, you know. Everyone eat. But anyway, that, uh, uh, you know, me having a, a drooling moment aside, these two were trying to get, uh, trying to get onto, I guess, uh, to contendership to be the next lady to face Rhea Ripley, especially after her defending the women's title against Isla Dawn in the last episode. 
This is actually a decent match between the two. Um, now, here's something I did notice, and it all made sense when everything was said and done. I think Vic Jobs was the one who said it, that Nina Samuels was still looking for her first victory in NXT. Um, I believe Kelly already had a victory um, over Charlie Morgan. And her last match, it was against Isla Dawn. So she was trying to get back into the winner's circle as well. So, actually, both ladies, you know, were equally, you know, loved by the crowd. They, they uh, you know, they start chanting, you know, the NXT chant, NXT chant. Now, this was a very nice start to the beginning. Kelly goes for the, uh, go, tries to go for the waist lock, try to go for a suplex early. And then uh, Nina dodges it out of the way. Goes for it a second time. Misses it. Kelly just smiles at her because she knows what, you know, Nina's trying to do. And Nina knows what she's trying to do. She then goes for it again. And then Nina just tossed her hair in Kelly's face. Kelly grins, catches Nina in a waist lock. Nina scrambles to the ropes immediately so she knows that that suplex, that German suplex was coming. So after the break, Kelly backs off, two circle again. They tie up and Nina puts on a headlock. Kelly then powers out, and Nina, but Nina car rolls over. She actually threw it into the ropes, goes down, uh, goes down, and Nina actually had a nice cartwheel. She then uh, pie faces Kelly, and Kelly again grins at her, starts firing off forearms to Samuels. Kelly then hits a forearm smash in the corner. Pump hits Nina down, goes for the cover. That was a two count. Nina rolls away out of the ring. Kelly goes after her on the apron. Nina then ducks and hot shocks Kelly away. Fans boo at that, but Nina keeps on uh, hammering uh, Kelly with uh, right hands. Puts her back in the ring. Goes for the uh, cover. And that was a two count. She then puts Kelly in a full Nelson hold as fans start rallying up behind her. Kelly fights her way up. Pries her way out of the hold. Slips around the back. But Nina slips back around the put back on the full Nelson hold. That was a nice little spot there. She throws Kelly down. And it's a snap neckmare. Goes to the cover. That was a two count. Kelly uh, was trying to was surviving in that moment. Nina's keeping her cool the entire way. She then brings Kelly over. Puts her against the ropes. Let's go at four. Ro- uh, rolls to run back. Drop kicks Kelly down. Went for the cover again, and that was and that only got a two count. Fans start cheering UK wrestling, appreciating the the match between uh, both ladies. Kelly slips out. Goes for the victory roll. That was a two count. Then Kelly fires forearms on Samuels. She then boots Nina. Tries to boot Nina. Nina blocked it. She starts talking trash, but Kelly hits an enziguri on Samuels. Picks up Nina and suplexes her into the turnbuckles. So Kelly goes back to the corner. Takes M. Hits the big dropkick in the corner. Goes for the cover. That only got a two count. She picks Nina up. Looking, and she was looking for the fisherman's, uh, fisherman buster. But this was a night, and this is also a good way to end the match. Nina pulls on one of Kelly's pigtails. Throws Kelly into the turnbuckles. Picks, puts her in a fireman's carry. Finishes her off with the Ushigoroshi, and that was more than enough to beat Killer Kelly and get her first victory in NXT UK. That was a that was a that's a very interesting way to actually finish one of your opponents. Pull a pigtail, throw her into the corner real quick to stagger her. Fisherman's suit, fisherman's carry right into the Ushigoroshi. Very good um, finishing move. There by Nina Samuels. I didn't. I don't think they had a finishing name for it. For Samuels, we'll, we'll just go with the Ushigoroshi. Very solid win. Congratulations to Samuels getting her first win in NXT UK. 
Uh, don't mind me. I know it's one o'clock right now and I know I got a uh, red zone on. So I'm just trying to not distract myself looking at football. But uh, getting back into things, uh, we got a backstage interview with Fabian Eichner. Uh, Razzie, of course, talking about him interfering in the match with Andrews and Webster. But they got the last laugh uh, after because after the match, uh, Fabian actually attacked Webster. And Andrews and Webster actually got the better of Eichner. So he tells Razzie to zip it. Because if Andrews and Webster think they can get the best of him, they got another thing coming. And if those two think they're in line to be tag team champions, Eichner's going to find himself a partner to take them on for his own. So it makes you wonder who could be the partner for Fabian Eichner. And if I'm going to make a guess, and this may be an interesting pick for me, and I know it may not work out in the end for Eichner, but I'm going to go with Joseph Connors. I mean, Connors is nuts. Eichner's definitely, you know, a bit crazy. Why not? And the Eichner Connors combo would be very interesting. And I think a match between Eichner and Connors would be somewhat interesting as well. I could be wrong, but who knows? But it is now time to talk about the main event time. The Iron King, Joe Coffey, versus the Kiwi Buzzsaw, Travis Banks. This was fucking awesome. Every main event, almost every main event they put on for NXT UK has been fucking awesome. And they've had 18 of these so far. And I don't think there's one that I have been absolutely mad at yet. So, surprisingly, Joe Coffey went out by himself. No Wolfgang, no Mark. Coffee. So it was literally one on one. And what I liked about the opening of this match is what I didn't like about the opening for Ambrose and Rollins in their Intercontinental Championship match at, excuse me, at TLC. They went right after each other. Immediately went right after each other. This has been leading up to us for so long. They wanted to beat the living shit out of each other. They go right at it. Travis dodging uh, throws by to fire off kicks. Joe Irish puts Travis into the ropes. Travis comes back with more forearms. Joe kicks back on Banks. Uh, Joe then Irish whips Travis. Travis comes back again. Joe shoves Travis. Travis then drop kicks him into a corner. The the intensity already starting right away. Travis doesn't let him get away at all. Goes uh, Coffee rolls to the outside. Travis not letting him get away. Hits a PK from the apron that rocks Joe hard. Travis knocks Joe uh, after he gets uh He sits him on the uh, on the bottom rope. Let the fans uh, enjoy what's going on in the beginning of the uh, in the sh- of the of the match itself. Um, he talks Joe goes around the corner but runs into a headbutt by Coffee. Joe and Travis start brawling, but Travis gets the edge. Uh, the count got to five when Travis, uh, Joe and Travis got, went back to the ring. When Joe put Travis in the ring to keep him at harm's bay. Tra- but Travis builds up speed to, to, to go for a suicide dive. But Joe immediately hits Travis Banks with a European uppercut. Joe then, while Travis is down, picks him up by the legs and swings him into the barriers. With the injured with the with the injured shoulder that Travis Banks had first into the barriers, and that was a bit of a turning point 
for Joe Coffey. He then throws Travis back into the ring. Now, uh, Travis trying to protect himself, trying to protect himself from Joe Coffey going after the shoulder because now that is point zero for Joe Coffey. Destroy the shoulder at all costs. And it does kind of hurt that the kinesio tape was on there. It's kind of just saying, destroy the shoulder here, pointing like a neon sign to the shoulder. Destroy me, please. So, fans start rallying behind Travis. Joe's stalking him on the ropes. He starts stomping on the bad shoulder in the corner. Travis tries his best to guard the bad shoulder, but Joe keeps on hitting him with haymakers. He then stomps on the bad shoulder again, clubbing away at him. Joe goes for a full Nelson hold. Travis trying to resist, but... Joe locks in the full Nelson shoulder, just trying to destroy that shoulder. Travis powers his way back up. He pries out of the hole, drops down. Joe stops him, trying to uh, cause any uh, damage, trying to get out of harm's way. Puts him back in the full Nelson hole. He resists, tries to keep the hold from being completed. He then backs Joe down to a corner and gets free. He starts throwing elbows into Joe. Joe, though, wrenches and rams his shoulder right into Banks. Joe then stomps and starts dropping elbows. Travis gets away. Joe goes gets Travis's bad arm and, and hits an arm breaker DDT. And Vic Joseph even said, that'll give you a separated shoulder. Travis rolls into a corner. Start, Joe starts stomping a mud hole into him. He brings Travis up for an arm wrench, throws Travis down. He starts clut- Travis starts clutching at his bad arm. Joe goes after it now with a trapezius hold, digging his fingers into the trap as fans start rallying behind him. Travis starts feeding off the energy from the crowd, gets up only for Joe to drag him back down to the ground. He then drops an elbow. Actually, I'm sorry. I was reading a little bit further, a little bit behind there. So, after after the the nerve hold, he throws a forearm. Joe rams his shoulder in again. Travis kicks now, but rams his shoulders once again. He brings Travis around. Travis still kicking away at him. Rams his shoulder in more, and now the fans are giving out dueling chants of coffee and for coffee and for banks. Travis grits his teeth. Joe kicks a leg out. He yanks Travis up, but eats a big knee from Travis that sent Joe's mouth guard flying. Um, I believe um, McGinnis said something flew out of his mouth. You thought you thought actually thought it was one of his teeth that flew out. So that was actually a nice little move there. So Travis and Joe crawl to opposite corners. Joe runs in after him. Travis sweeps his legs, runs into a drop, runs to drop kick Joe right in the back. He then hits a shining wizard, goes for the cover. That got a two count. Travis keeps on the attack, picks up dra- picks up Joe, tries a suplex, but the bad arm. It paid dividends for Coffee to go after the bad arm because he couldn't execute the suplex. He starts clubbing away at the bad shoulder again, throws Banks into the corner. He hits a big big splash. Then Travis catches him with a boot, runs in, but runs into a power slam by Coffee. One, two, Banks kicks out. Joe doesn't laugh on the attack, though. He deadlifts Travis up, showing off his strength. Travis hits him with an elbow. Joe shoves him. He catches Travis, swings him around, throws him overhead. That only got a two count. So, later, actually, the ending of this match, at seen right after uh, a fisherman suplex by Travis, uh, with, the, with the adrenaline running through him, hits a uh, fisherman suplex after a two count. He gets up, rocks Joe with, off the apron with a right hand. He builds up speed, runs through the middle and top, actually the bottom and middle and bottom ropes, Finally gets the suicide dive on Coffee. 
He puts Joe back in, goes up top, hits the double stop, goes for the cover, and surprisingly, that wasn't enough. Two count only on Joe Coffey. He fires up. Fans are chanting at this point, this is awesome. And even Vic Joseph had to acknowledge the fact that, yes, this is awesome. He Travis Banks was for the Enziguri. Misses. He rolls out of the way, but Joe Coffey catches him with a spear. Goes for all the best. That was blocked. The bad arm keeps Travis from counterattacking. He goes for all the best one more time, and that was enough to beat Travis Banks in the main event. Coffey beats the buzzsaw. What a match between these two. Of course, Coffey and Gallus still showing their dominant run on NXT. Seriously. I keep saying it every fucking time. NXT UK is killing the game right now. NXT and NXT UK are killing it. I love talking about NXT UK. I hope you guys are enjoying me talking about NXT UK as best as I possibly can. I mean, seriously, we are three weeks away from NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool. Now, I hope to see something I'm still hoping for for the future. Um... I'm still hoping that we get a six-man tag. I'm hoping Pete Dunne comes back soon within the next six episodes and there's a six-man tag between British Strong Style and Gallus. I think that still really needs to happen um, in order for the uh, Mustache Mountain Gallus uh, storyline to actually really, really get going for um, this storyline, especially if we're going to be getting... Coffee versus Dunn for the United Kingdom Championship. I think all teams involved, all parties involved need to have that one big six-man tag for one team to get momentum heading into TakeOver Blackpool. It, I mean, that main event between Coffee and Banks was fucking awesome. Uh, it, it's been really, really good to see that as of late. Um, the tag team division, again, you know, Gallus, Grizzle Young Veterans, Mustache Mountain, those are, like, those are your three teams that are going to be gunning for those NXT UK Tag Team Championships. Um, it will be interesting to see if they're going to be two versus two, or maybe they do a triple threat for the UK Tag Team Championships. Who knows? But it's really nice to see um, all teams involved, you know, maybe gunning for the Tag Team Championships. I'm thinking, I'm at, my, at this point right now, I'm thinking maybe a possible triple threat between... Uh, GYV, Gallus, and Mustache Mountain could be on the horizon. I would like to see a Grizzle Young Veterans Gallus matchup, maybe a Mustache Mountain um, Gibson Drake matchup, something of that uh, sort to see who really is to see who in the in the eyes of Saint and Scala who really they see as the top team going in right now, going into the tag team championships. Heading into Takeover Blackpool because we kind of, if you're gonna know who's the best, of the best, the best have to face the best. And so far, these three tag teams have been the top teams in the com- in the company right now. Um, Eddie Dennis and uh, Dave Massive, that's not over just yet. Um, I did like seeing uh, Nina Samuels getting her first victory in NXT UK. It's a very nice victory for her, for especially you know trying to get that victory, especially over against a game opponent like Killer Kelly. Tony Storm coming back, always a good thing. Uh, very nice victory over Charlie Morgan. Um, there's a lot to take in over the next six episodes as we head towards Blackpool. 
but I'm really excited to see what they're going to be doing in terms of these next six episodes. It makes me wonder like how the story is going to be told, especially who the next challenger will be for the NXT UK Women's Championship. There's a couple of names now we can look at. Nina Samuels, Tony Storm, Killer Kelly may still have something to say, even though she did lose to Nina. Uh, there's just a lot to take in, and I'm really excited to see what they come up with for these next few episodes. So this coming Wednesday is going to be the last episode of NXT UK for the year. But going into 2019, they're going to be absolutely on fucking fire. Um, I don't know how many takeovers they're going to have for UK, but I know the first one, just like NXT NXT did, is probably going to be the best one so far. So that is your review of episode 18 of NXT UK. Well, guys, that's going to be it for episode 37 of The Young Lions Perspective. As always, I want to thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day, your night, your afternoon, your evening, your gym time, your in-between your football Sunday time, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for checking out the podcast. As always, I greatly and truly appreciate it. If you enjoyed this episode or any of the 36 episodes prior and you want to tell your people about it, do not hesitate to tell a friend to tell a friend about the Young Lions Perspective. Share this on your social media, your Facebook, the Instagrams, the Twitters. Let everybody know that the Young Lions Perspective is the alternative in professional wrestling podcasting and that we are here to stay. If you don't check me out on the Anchor app, and why don't you? Because like I always say, this is the up and coming app for podcasting in the game today. You can check me out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Cast Boss, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Stitcher Radio, and of course that good old Spotify fam. Just search for the Young Lions Perspective and you should have no problem finding my podcast on any one of those platforms. If you want to keep updated with anything that goes on with the Young Lions Perspective podcast itself, you can follow me on Twitter at Suede Senator WWI. I do live tweeting for SmackDown Live, NXT, NXT UK, and any WWE pay-per-views that go down during the year of course and on instagram you can also find me at young underscore lions underscore perspective keep up to date on keep up to date on both of those platforms follow me on there so you can stay updated with the goings on with the show itself now as i stated in the opener opening segment i should say top 10 list of 2018 Christmas Day. Get ready. I've been wanting to do this for an entire year. I did one last year, but I never got a chance to get it out. I had a solid list too for 2017. It was a great year. 2018 was a solid year for professional wrestling. Um, keep keep in mind, it's going to be mostly NXT, uh, WWE, and New Japan Pro Wrestling for the most part. I didn't. I kept my focus on those three. As usually the, those were the three that I usually watch more so on a regular basis. So keep that in mind. I know you're probably thinking, oh, so and such and such was supposed to be in your top 10. This could have been, this should have been in your top 10. And that's fine because that's what creates debate amongst everybody. So keep an eye out for that. That is going down Christmas Day, the last episode of 2018. I cannot believe we are 38 episodes in and we're already ending the year. And we're going to be ending the year with a goddamn bang until Christmas Day. Guys, enjoy the rest of your football Sunday. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday, your Christmas Eve, and um, 
Have a very Merry Christmas. We'll be seeing you on Tuesday for top 10 matches of the year 2018. See ya!